0: This morning I wanted to uh, bring a special, special message about this issue of how do you handle it when your plans fail? How do you handle it when you go through those hopeless situations in life? Uh, because I think we can all admit and we could all say that life doesn't always turn out the way we expected. Uh, sometimes we hit dead ends in life. Sometimes we hit difficulty in life. Sometimes we walk through some situations that on the surface seems like, seems like that, that, that they're just hopeless. And so we can go through hopeless situations, whether it's a financial situation, uh, whether it's an emotional, a spiritual, a relational situation um, in, in life. And so what happens and how do you handle it when you go through those hopeless situations in life when, when really and truly there's no earthly answer, really and truly that you just you need, you need God to do something, you need, you need God to take care of the situation or perform a miracle in your life. And so what do you do? when you and I walk through hopeless situations, because if you live long enough, you know that, that we're all gonna walk through those situations of life. It's just kind of, it's just kind of part of life. And so we're looking at Abraham's life this morning. I just want to take uh, five verses out out of Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through 21. And I I just want to look at a a glimpse of Abraham's life. This is a period that Paul is talking about of Abraham's life when God had promised Abraham and his wife Sarah that, that they would have a son. And it seemed like God was delaying or God was slow in coming through with that promise. And so they were they were getting older and it looked like more and more of a hopeless situation. And so I want to take that area of Abraham's life and help you and give you just four things this morning of what what to do. What to do when that mountain is in front of you and you need that mountain to move? What to do when you're walking through a ho- hopeless situation? What to do when you're walking through failure in life? And, and how, how do we handle that? Because there's one thing about Abraham's life. Abraham was able to nav- navigate these periods of his life with great faith. And there's some things that we can learn from that. And so the scripture says in, in uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says, As it is written... I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead. So we'll come back to this with this a definition of a miracle right here, who gives life to the dead and calls existence the things that do not exist in hope. He believed against hope. That he should become the father of many nations as he has been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith. He grew stronger in his faith in a hopeless situation. He grew uh, stronger in his faith in difficult times of life, and he gave glory to God fully convinced that god was able to do what he had promised and so you cannot help but read this verse and just just listen to the faith and listen to abraham's faith and and how he led his, led, led his life in hopeless and difficult situations the scripture tells us in psalm 50:15 that when we go through those ghost times he says you call upon me in the day of trouble and i will deliver you and you shall glorify me so this morning i want to give you i want to give you four things and and, and really is where we're headed. We're headed to the, the Lord's table. We're headed to communion when some of these principles will come out again as we take communion together as a church family because it's important that we gather together and we worship him and then from time to time, once a month here at Fellowship of the Rockies, we take communion together as a church family. So four things when, 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 you, when your plans fail. Four things to navigate through that in your life or when you're in those hopeless situations of life. The first one is this, is that you have to you have to remember what god can do. You have to come to that place in your life just like Abraham to where you, re- you you remember what god can do. In other words a lot of times people get paralyzed in the hopeless situations of life or in the difficulties of life or when there's failure in life because they begin focusing on what they cannot do or what they can't do and during those times you cannot focus on what you can't do you focus on what you can do in other words this you learn to walk in faith and you do the things that you can do and you expect god to do the things that that he can do in other words it's just this trusting him see there's a lot of people that believe that the issue of faith this issue of faith is just like waiting this issue of faith is just something that 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 there's really no action there's really nothing that you do you just you just kind of pray And you just kind of wait for God to do something. But you you find in Abraham's life and you find in Scripture that faith is way more than just doing nothing. Faith is way more than just praying and just waiting. In other words, faith is is acting. Faith is coming to that place in your life to where you, you remain obedient and you do the things that you know that you can do. And then you expect God to do the things that only he can do. Now, there's a story I want to tell you that, that I think illustrates this. It happened many many years ago here at Fellowship of the Rockies. We had a uh, had a single lady in our church and she was she was getting up there in years and so she was getting frustrated that she wasn't married. She wanted to be married. It was a dream for, of hers to be married and so she was a friend of Karen's and and so she wanted to be married and she's like kind of angry at God because Uh, She's she's not married. And and she says, you know what? I I know I'm a little unique. I was I was raised as a tomboy and I I love to fly fish. And so she was in the river like I mean, she was in the river almost every week. Fact is, funny story about her and her dad. One time they were they were fishing up on the Arkansas and they caught a lot of fish. And they got back into Pueblo late, and they needed to tie some new flies because she could tie flies. And so they needed to tie some new flies, but all the fly shops were closed. And they were out of the material needed, like the feathers or whatever the material needed to tie the flies that they needed to tie so they'd go fishing in the morning. So she just took the family dog, rolled the dog over, and shaved its underbelly and used the dog's hair to tie some flies. And so, I mean... I think that's hilarious. Mom was in bed. Mom didn't find out about it till she was on the river, so she did not care. And so, uh, so she's like, you know what? But, but I want to be married. I, I just want to be married. I, I think God has somebody for me. And so I said, so, so we're, we're like talking and we're having this conversation. And I'm like, well, you know what? Well, well what, what, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm praying. I'm praying that God will bring me a man. She said, I said, "Well, where do you get that?" She says, "Well, I get that from the Old Testament," and I just, I just believe that God is gonna like, gonna like bring me a man. And so I'm like, "Well, so are you doing anything? Did you like join a fly, fly fishing club? Are you involved in our singles ministry? Are you doing ministry? Are you getting what? What are you doing?" And she goes, "I'm waiting on God." So I said, "So you're just wait, you're just praying and waiting on God? He's gonna bring you a man?" And she says, "Yeah." I like to your house, It's... Uh <laughs> Because if it's to your house, then then your only option is going to be like the UPS guy or a Jehovah Witness. Uh, (laughs) I mean, that's like your only option. So, (laughs) so I said, I said you got to you got to do something. You got you got to you got to you got to get out there. I don't know what that is. But you've got to trust God. You've got to do what you can do. Faith is not just sitting and waiting and doing nothing. Faith is more than that. So many times we've so spiritualized the Christian life to where we believe that faith is not action. Faith is not doing anything. Faith is just like sitting around and, and, and just waiting. And so I said, you know what? You've got to do something. Whether it's, whether it's Christian Mingle you sign up for, with Fly Fishing Club, with Singles Ministry, or whatever, you've got to do something got to do something so everybody in the services want to know what happened she got married so um so uh because everybody asked me in the four year after hey what happened well she got married and, and and her husband loves to fly fish and it's just it's a wonderful story but but the point is this is that we have to come to the point we have to come to the point to understand in failure in those hopeless situations in life faith is doing faith is active. That's why it said in verse 17, it said, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So what what did Abraham believe in? Abraham believed in himself, new age crystals, uh, positive mental attitude, uh, human perspective, the world system. And Abraham believed in something much bigger than that. Faith is not hoping and wishing. Faith is not like pumping ourselves up. Faith is not like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. Faith is not that. Listen, I, please hear me on this. I believe in positive thinking. I'm all about positive thinking. I mean, what is, what, What's the alternative? Negative thinking? So please hear me on this. I believe in positive thinking. But if your positive thinking is not tied to scriptures, if your positive thinking is not tied to God, it will not get you through it. Isn't positive thinking without without faith? Positive thinking without God? Positive thinking will not get you through the hopeless situations in life. Positive thinking without God will only get you through the situations and the circumstances that you can control. See, faith when faith is required in situations that only God can control or situations that is out of your control, which, if we're honest, is much of life, right? And so verse 17, Paul helps us to understand out of Abraham's life two things about what God can do. And he says God can do two things, and it's just out of verse 17. He gives life to the dead. In other words, this, and and we're watching, we're going to walk through the two things of a miracle, this biblical definition of a miracle and he says that god can gives life to the dead in other words only god only god can give life to the hopeless situations only god can give life to the dead end situations of life when you hit that brick wall only god can give life to the situations in your life to where there's where there's failure and then he says and calls into existence the things that do not exist I mean, that's the definition of a, that's just the definition of a miracle. That God gives life to the dead and God creates something out of nothing. Do you realize God can create something out of your hopeless situations? God can create something new out of the hopeless situations of life, out of the difficult situations of life, out of those situations of life that you and I can walk through, through suffering, through hurt, and through pain, and I'm telling you, God can create something new and fresh out of those situations. It's way deeper than just positive thinking that everything's going to work out. It's tied to Him, into His Word. And so the first thing, if you and I, if we're going to walk through the hopeless situations of life when there's been failure, life didn't turn out the way we, we planned and we thought and we hoped and all those other things, then we have to remember we have to remember what God can do. And the second thing is this, is we have to rely on what, what God said. We have to come to that place that we rely. We not only remember of, of what God can do, but we have to rely on what God has said. Verse, verse 18, and we're going to look at this verse a lot because this is just the focus of this message. Verse 18, in hope, he believed against hope. In other words, the facts may have been depressing. The situation may have been difficult. And in in, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as as had been told. In other words, he believed God at what God said that he would do so that so your offspring shall be. In other words, that was his promise. That was a word into his life. God had made that promise into Abraham's life. In other words, Abraham got to this place that he relied on God's word in hope. He believed against hope. Philip's translation, just so interesting, would translate that verse this way. When hope was dead within him. It's okay to lose hope. It is not okay to stay there. It is okay to have fear. It is not okay to allow fear to control you and to drive you. It is okay to be discouraged, but it's not okay to stay there. You ever felt that way? You ever felt that way, the Phillips translation, when hope was dead inside of you? You ever gone through a hopeless situation, whether it was for a moment, whether it was for a day, that you said, I feel like something has died inside of me, I no longer have hope, I no longer have feelings about this? I mean, really and truly, you're, you're describing despair, and maybe you felt like that in a situation in your life, whether, whether, whether it was a marriage or whether it was, was parenting and a child, whether it was finances, whether it was a, a career, a profession, maybe it was schooling or, or, you know what, maybe it was your health. And you would say, you know what, I, I just feel like something happened. I feel like hope died inside of me. Well, what do you do when that happens? What do you do when you're in that hopeless situation? You you do what Abraham did. In hope, he believed against all hope. In other words, Abraham had this ability. We'll look at it in a few minutes. He was able to, to face the facts and move ahead and trust God over the facts, over his situation. But the question for us is like, well, well how, how do you do that? How do you have hope in a hopeless situation? How do you have hope when there's been failure? How do you have hope when like, there's no earthly answer? The only way, you have to get an external power source. Positive thinking cannot be tied to self. It has to be tied to him. If you're going to get hope in a hopeless situation, then you have to develop an external source. In other words, when hope dies within you, when hope dies within me, it's so important that we get an external source of power of hope verse 18 again in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told so shall your offspring be listen let me tell you something i cannot tell you how many times in this season of life that we're walking through in 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 an earthly picture of or scene of hopelessness that i've just taken and grabbed scripture and I've taken scripture and read scripture over and over and over. I've life journaled. I've grabbed those verses. I've walked through some of the promises of God. Listen, let me tell you something. There's 7,000 promises of God in scripture. And I've grabbed those promises. It is okay to have fear. It's okay to lose hope, but it is not okay to stay there. And the only way you and I are ever going to have hope in a hopeless situation is an external source, something much bigger than ourselves, something much much bigger than our situation. And that's why Abraham not only remembered what God had done, and remembered what God could do. But he relied on what God said that he would do. He would relied on the promises of, of God. In Hebrews 11, the writer of Hebrews writes when, 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 when Abraham came to another one of these hopeless situations, it looked like a dead end. It looked, like, it looked like he had maybe missed something and God had told him that he wanted him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Here's what the scripture says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he had received... And who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that, that God was able to raise him from the dead. So again, you see the, the, the definition of a miracle. God could raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. In other words, this, Abraham had this ability that when he, when he, hit, those, when he hit those hopeless situations of his life, that he, that he didn't panic. Because Abraham believed that, you know what, God's still in control. And God's bigger than the situation. God is bigger than this mountain in front of me. God's bigger than the situation and circumstance that I'm, I'm walking through. And Abraham understood this issue of who God is and tying into him. Listen, some, sometimes when, we, when our plans fail and we're in a hopeless situation, that is when we have a tendency to panic. But God says, no, just trust me. It's in the hopeless situations in life that you and I learn to have faith. You and I learn to trust God over the situations and circumstances of life. That's why, again, he said in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. Situations may seem hopeless in life, but it's not. Because God's in control. From a, from a human standpoint, I agree with you. From a human standpoint, it may seem bad. But not from God's standpoint. Not from God's perspective. Things often are not as bad as they seem. Remember the disciples gathered around the cross, Jesus is being crucified they thought they were done they thought it was over but they truly did not understand what was going to take place in three days I'm telling you there's over, over 7,000 promises in scripture many years ago um, and you know what we, we may do this again here at Fellowship of the Rockies I don't, I don't even know if the book is, is still in print but I, I, I found this book um, and and at the time they were a dollar dollar and a half a piece and it was just simply called the promises of God and it was a book that the author had taken all the 7,000 promises of scripture put them in a little paperback cheap book and and then he he he, um, he divided the divided the promises of God up, and so you go to the table of contents and whatever whatever you're you're walking through whether it's discouragement, fear, loss, grief, hurt, betrayal, pain, anger, uh, discour- any of those, and you could you could turn, and you could sit there and you could you could you could read uh, all the promises of God. Um, and then claim them. And we have, we have story after story what it did in people's lives when, when, um, when they learned to do that. I, 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 can, I, I mean, I, I have story after story of walking into emergency rooms and in hospital rooms. And, and still I'll come across someone that still has that book. And they're sitting in a hospital room and, and, and they've, got it, they've got it to the page. And they've got it to the promises. There is something about the promise of God. Because Hebrews tells us that God does not lie. And a promise is is good as the one who gives the promise. And so the promises of Scripture are good and they're true because they're given by God. And so we have to come to the place that we remember what God can do. We, we rely on what God, God has said. And then the other thing is this, is we, we learn to face the facts with faith. We learn to come to that place in our life and we just grow spiritually mature, and we mature in the Christian faith and we face the facts with, with faith. See, see, you and I, we have a choice. We can either face the facts with faith or you can face the facts with fear. And if you face the facts with fear, it will destroy you. You will, you will focus on what you can't do you will focus on the loss. I mean, I'm telling you, if you want to face the facts with fear, it will, it will wipe you out. It will destroy you. See, this is why Abraham was so successful at this, is because Abraham was able to face the facts with, with, with faith, verse 19, and he did not weaken in his faith. Unbelievable statement. In, in, in a hopeless situation, in failure, Abraham was that guy that didn't weaken in his faith. Fact is, he grew in his faith. Fact is, he was strengthened in his faith. He, he, he did not weaken in, in faith when he considered his own body, which is as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. In other words, he, he was facing the facts. He didn't have any children. He's not getting any younger. How's God going to do this? Um, it seems like a, a medical uh, impossibility. And um, listen, faith doesn't ignore reality. Faith doesn't pretend that there's not a problem. Faith doesn't deny the difficulty of the situation. Faith is this. Faith is facing the facts of your problem without being discouraged by them. Without letting them destroy you. In other words, you have to face the facts. But you have to realize that, you know what? I'm going to face the facts. But guess what? My God is bigger than the facts. My God is bigger than this mountain. My God is bigger than this hopeless situation because my Bible tells me that God is able to bring life to dead things, dead situations, and God is able to create something new. Telling you, he is able to create something new out of the hopeless situations of life. And Abraham looked at the situation and from an earthly mind, he, he probably thought this, this seems impossible to me. But he knew the facts. And he trusted God. And it wasn't just sitting and waiting. I mean, he walked with him. There's, there's a brand of Christianity that kind of teaches and things that faith means that you never admit that you have any problems. You never admit that you have any struggles. And so you just kind of put a, a smile on your face and you act like that everything's okay and that, that you don't have any problems. And listen, that is not faith. That's stupidity. Faith is not ignoring the situation. Faith is not ignoring the facts. Can I tell you what faith is? Faith is trusting God over the facts. Faith is trusting God in the midst of a hopeless situation. To know he's he's bigger than all of this. And I'm going to trust him. Because I'm going to remember what he's done in my life. I'm going to rely on what his word says and I'm going to grab those promises and I'm going to grab those. Things. This is this is the key to this and the key in Abraham's life and the key in our life is to is, is is when we face the facts is is not to be discouraged by the facts because we're able to look beyond the circumstances. I mean, that's, that's what the writer of Hebrews says, right? Says that we look we do not look on what is seen, but we look at, at what is unseen. In other words, we, we come to that place to where we mature in our life, to where we no longer look at, we look beyond. What we look beyond the circumstances. Corey Tim Boone says this. She says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. That's what faith is. It's, listen, it's, it's, it's all about your focus. It's all about what you have your eyes up. That's why it's so important to have your focus on him in his word, in his promises, regardless of what you walk through in life. The last thing is this, is when, when my plans fail, I expect God to act. I mean, I, I, I expect him to act. I expect him to fulfill his promises. I expect him to take care of this situation. I expect him to answer. Well, watch this. Verse 20. He says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God. In other words, the hopeless situations, the things that he was walking through, he didn't even waver about what God had told him about his word. But unbelievable testimony. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. In other words, this Abraham continued in a hopeless situation to give glory to God. You know why? Because he expected God to act. He expected God to take care of the, the situation. Listen, let me ask you. What are you expecting God to do right now in your life? Are you expecting him to do anything? Are you asking him for a word? What problem are you expecting God to take care of you for, in your life? What are, you ask, what are you expecting God to do in your life tomorrow? What are you expecting God to do in your life next week or next month or in that situation? Because God's word says this, according to your faith, it shall be done for you. Do you, do you even expect? Do you even expect God to do something in your hopeless situations when there's failure, when there's difficulty? I mean, it, it says of Abraham, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. Let me just ask you, what kind of faith do you have? Because there's a lot of people that their faith really won't hold up in hopeless situations, in difficulties, and when plans fall through, and when there's failure, and when there's dead ends in life. I mean, when they, when they hit those moments in life, they get angry and they get bitter, and they lose hope and they stay there. What kind of, what kind of faith do you have? The highest form of faith is thanking God in advance. Before he ever does it. It's all through scripture. That's what that's what Abraham did. I mean, it, if you thank God after he answers a prayer, that's not much faith. But if you thank God before he answers that prayer, that's faith. Faith is thanking God beforehand. It, it, it's all through Scripture. In fact, is Jesus prayed this way. Uh, remember when Lazarus was sick and they sent word to Jesus that, that Lazarus is sick and you need to come and you need to take care of this situation? Jesus delayed a few days. He got there after the funeral. Lazarus had, had, was in the tomb. They'd already rolled the stone in, in front of the tomb. And then remember Jesus, Jesus showed up on the scene and he stood out front of the tomb. He has people around him. And he says, you know, God, if, if you had gotten here quicker, uh, why did you let this happen? All the normal things. And all of a sudden, Jesus, you read it for yourself. I think it's one of the most powerful prayers. And, and Jesus simply prays, Father, I know you have already heard me and i know you've already answered this prayer. Lazarus come forth. And he turns to them and he says, roll the stone away. It's a powerful thing when you develop a faith that you can thank God in advance. Because you expect you expect him to act. Paul did the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, Of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened. Beyond our strength. That we despaired of life itself. This is a hopeless situation. Indeed we felt. That we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely. Not on ourselves. But on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. Looking to the future. Expecting him to act. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. That's the promise of God. The promise of God and the promises of God, or I'm sorry, the purpose of God is to teach us to trust him. God has delivered me. God will deliver me. And guess what? God will continue to deliver me regardless of the situation that I'm walking through. And maybe you're here this morning and you need a miracle in your life. And you're sitting in a circumstance in a hopeless situation. That's why communion is so important this morning. As our servers make their way to the back as we get ready to, to take of the bread and, and take of the juice. The scripture says this, that before we take of the bread and we take of the juice, that we should like examine ourselves. And so let, let me just tell you that communion is open to everyone. As long as you're a, a believer in Christ. It needs to be your first weekend with us, but guess what? If you're a follower of Christ, if you have professed your faith in Christ, then we want you, we expect that you would take communion with us. So in just a few minutes, the servers will begin to pass the, the bread and the juice. And as the, the, as the plate comes by, that there's two cups, one on top of the other. You take both cups off, hold them there in place, pass them to the person next to you, and then we'll take together as a, as a church family. But the scripture says this, before we take of the bread and we take of the juice, we should examine ourselves and our lives. And so maybe, maybe this morning you just sit before him as the bread and the juice are being passed out. And you just remember what God, what God can do and what God has done. That you'd rely on his word and maybe you just face the facts with faith. Then maybe you'd come to the place that you'd just expect God to to act. So as the elements are being passed out, would you just examine your life, spend some time with the Lord, and then we'll take of the bread and the juice together in church family in just a minute. Here's what the the Scripture says before we take of the bread and we, we take of the juice. So I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed, He took bread and, and when He had given thanks, He broke it. And He said, this is my body, which is, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we remember, we remember what God has done. We remember that He went to the cross and He lived a perfect and sinless life and He, he took on my sin, He took on your sin, He took on the sins of the world. And He bled and He, and he died and on the third day He conquered death and he was raised to life and as a result of that it was our perfect sacrifice to where we would be totally and completely forgiven. And he didn't wait for us to get our life straightened up. Scripture says that while we were still sinners he, he died for us. And he loves us deeply. And so we just remember we remember this day what God has done for us Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love, and Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. Father, we thank you that you went to the cross willingly. Scripture says that no one forced you, no one took your life from you, but you laid your life down willingly for us because you, because you love us. And so Father, we thank you for that. And Father, may we, just, may we be reminded regardless of what we're walking through that you've already solved the biggest problem in our life and that problem of sin and relationship and right relationship to God. And if you can take care of that, then you can be trusted and you can take care of us in this life. And so Father, we just thank you for this time to gather, to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ and take of the bread and take of the juice. For we ask these saints in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take of the bread with me? Scripture goes on and says in the same way, After supper he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's not only a backward look, but it's a forward look. It's a forward look to when we'll see him face to face. And we'll gather around with brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven one day, and he will administer this time. We not only remember what he has done, but we expect him to act in the future. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for the shedding of of your blood on the cross, for without it, there'd be no forgiveness of sin. And Father, we thank you that we're totally and we're completely forgiven, that we're perfect and we're deeply loved in you. And Father, may may that just set us free. And may we live life in that way. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take with me, please?